the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, so good news is we are officially halfway, or maybe sad news is we are officially halfway. We have another four weeks on our spiritual journey of Lent before we celebrate the glorious feast of the resurrection. The gospel of today is about the Samaritan woman. And it's from the Gospel of John chapter 4. And it's the longest dialogue, the longest dialogue recorded in the scripture between our Lord and the Samaritan woman. Our Lord met and talked with many people one-on-one. But the dialogue that the Lord had with the Samaritan woman, very special, very special conversation. It was special because usually Jews and Samaritans, they didn't talk to each other. They didn't talk to each other. And this was the first objection that the Samaritan woman gave the Lord. She said, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The Jews, they despised the Samaritans because they considered them like heretics. Both heretics. The Samaritans, they perverted the faith from the truth of Judaism. And the Samaritans, they worshipped the God of Israel, but they also worshipped pagan gods. Like something like in the middle. And, and that's why the Samaritans were so despised by the Jews. And if you think about the Samaritans, they actually are a lot like us, sort of. We, have, we worship God, the true God of Israel, but we also have maybe some, some idols in our lives. But the Lord Jesus Christ visited the Samaritan woman and said, No more idols in your life. He wanted to take away all the reproach from from the Samaritans. And the conversation of our Lord with the Samaritan woman was also special because the Lord broke the gender barrier. So woman. And, And at the end of the gospel, the disciples came to the Lord and said... Why are you talking with her? Because they were shocked that he had spoken to a woman. So it was special because of the religious barriers, special because of the gender barriers. And I think this conversation is very special because in a very short conversation with the Lord, very short, yeah, 40 verses, something short, he was able to completely transform the life of this Samaritan woman. Completely transformed the life of this Samaritan woman. This woman was so thirsty for God and the Lord Jesus Christ, he quenched her thirst with the living water. This woman was so broken, very broken, but the Lord healed her broken heart. This woman had no purpose in life and her life was dry. But after her conversation with the Lord, she found purpose in her life. Today we want to be like... The Samaritan woman. We want to be like the Samaritan woman. We want to meet the Lord Jesus Christ and to be transformed by the living water. And today I'd like to talk to you about how we can be transformed by the living water. First, in order to be transformed by the living water, you must meet the source of the living water. In order to to be transformed by the living water, you have to meet the source of the living water. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ, he said at the beginning of the gospel. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you want living water, 
You must have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we read about the prodigal son, and the prodigal son returned to his father's house, and the father was waiting for the son to return. But in the gospel of today, we see another, the other side of it. Actually, in the gospel of today, we see the Lord as the initiator. He is the one who needed to go to Samaria to have this personal encounter with, with uh, the Samaritan woman. He is the one who was coincidentally like at the same place at the same time. But there is no coincidence in this story. This story is about God's providence. God's providence. This reminded me of the story of King Saul. King Saul. Anybody remember the story of King Saul and how King Saul was ordained? Anybody remember a story then? It's very interesting. His father lost his donkeys. He lost his donkeys. Big problem if you lose your donkeys. So he lost his donkeys and he sent Saul and his servant to go find his donkeys. And Saul looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. And guess what? No donkeys. No donkeys. Then his servant had a great idea. He said, I know in this city there is a man of God. There is a prophet. Let's go see what the prophet says. And maybe he can tell us where the donkeys are. So, sounded like a great idea to Saul. And at the same time, Saul was starting to get worried because he was like, uh, my father is not going to worry about the donkeys anymore. <laughs> he's going to start worrying about us being gone for so long. So he's like, we need to move. We need to go. And the beautiful thing is that the Lord had told the man of God, Samuel, told him, tomorrow someone is going to come to you. And whoever comes to you tomorrow, this will be the ruler of your people. And so Saul's coming in to look for his donkeys and to ask about donkeys. I can't find my donkeys. And the Lord had a much bigger plan for, for Saul. You see this idea? Had a much bigger plan for Saul. Saul was looking for donkeys, but God had a plan to make him king. The Samaritan woman... All she wanted was just a little bit of water. But actually, God actually wanted to give her living water. All of us, maybe we just want some donkeys in our life. We just want, like, we want a little water. We want a little, a good job. We want a little thing. But actually, God, He actually has something way better for each and every one of us. Actually, God... The beautiful thing is that after Saul left Samuel, it says that Saul left Samuel and he left with donkeys? No, what did he leave with? Not just the kingship. It actually says in the scripture, he left with a new heart. He left with a new heart. I, I love this. This guy's coming for donkeys, he gets a new heart. The Samaritan woman, she's coming for water. She leaves with living water. She leaves transformed. And this is the beauty of God. This is the beauty of God. What started off as a routine day for the Samaritan woman ended much better. And God, in His infinite wisdom, He always organizes 
these encounters for us. Maybe we have a lot of, you know, like ways that we, or a lot of things that happen to us in our day. But, and there's an infinite amount of methods that God can, can appear to us. But we can all, like, we should never count out God. God can meet us and see us in every aspect of our life. We can meet God when we interact with strangers. Maybe we have a conversation that stimulates our hearts. This is an encounter with the Lord. But in order for us to recognize these encounters with the Lord, I think we have to be contemplative. Yeah. I practiced this world all morning. Contemplative people. Contemplative people. We have to be contemplative people. Contemplative people means involving like thought, thinking, thinking. Spiritual people are contemplative people because they see every act in their life as an act of God. So they don't want to miss out on the things that God is doing for them. On the other side of the spectrum, the other side of the spectrum, are the people who do not think twice about their day. They don't think twice about their day. All they do is think about, oh, we're going to eat today. What are we having for dinner today? What are we doing for this? What are, do we do this? this is carnal people. This is not a spiritual person. It reminded me of what the gospel was this morning. It was about a wedding feast and how there's a wedding feast. And the Lord, He sends out invitations to everyone to come to the wedding feast. But you know what happened? The people, they weren't contemplative people. They, they made light of it. The gospel says they made light of it. And they didn't hear the invitation of the Lord. They had a chance to go and meet the Lord and to be a part of the wedding feast. But they said, oh, I'll go tomorrow. It's okay. We'll put a... And they started to make excuses. And they missed out on their encounter, to, or on their opportunity to encounter the Lord. That's why Saint Shenouda, the Archmandrite, he encourage, uh, encourages us to be contempl- contemplative people. He encourages us to be contemplative people. He says, let us sit every day, every evening alone by ourselves and search our souls for what we presented to our companion angel to offer to God. This is the spiritual person. The one who's always reviewing their life and seeing, am I walking according to the plan of God? Am I doing this according to the will? Is this the will of God? This is a spiritual person. Remember that the Lord is seeking us. This is the take-home message. That He is seeking us. That the events that happen in our life are not coincidence. They are for... Your salvation, therefore your salvation, to teach us lessons. They are part of God's providence for us. That's the first point. To be transformed by the living water, we must encounter the Lord. We must be contemplative people. Two, in order to be transformed by the living water, we must be thirsty. We must be thirsty. To be thirsty means to be discontent. No one who's thirsty is like, hi, and so like smiling. No, like people who are thirsty, they, they feel like they, they need water. And if they don't get water, they're going to be, <clears throat> they're missing something. They're discontent. And to be thirsty is to be discontent. To be discontent with our current life. 
to be discontent with our spiritual dryness, to feel discontent with my emptiness, to feel discontent with my, without purpose, like I have no purpose in life. The key to be thirsty is to be discontent, to be uncomfortable. If I am not uncomfortable, then I, I'm sorry to say your thirst is not that bad then. Your thirst isn't that bad. But to be thirsty is, I, I have a longing to drink. And I think sometimes it takes a while for us to realize how truly thirsty we are. Like the prodigal son, when he left his father's house, was he thirsty? No. <laughs> He's about to have fun. But then, the longer he was in the life of sin, he began to see, oh, oh no. Life of sin? not good for me. Life of sin leaves me thirsty. And he had a longing to go back to his, to his father's house. He started to feel the spiritual dryness of leaving his father's house. The Samaritan woman, I love her because she was thirsty. Yeah, she was thirsty. She was so discontent with her current life. She felt spiritually dry. And she probably felt spiritually dry for several reasons. One, she had so many failed relationships. So many failed relationships. And she was even embarrassed to say that she was living in sin. Like she was living with a man, but they weren't married. So she said, I have no husband. And then the Lord said, you spoke truly, but you had five husbands. So the Lord knew that this, this woman is broken. She was so discontent in her relationships. She was so discontent with her practice in her, in, in her spiritual life. That's why she asked the Lord, Hmm, I know that you Jews worship on this mountain, and we worship here. She wanted to know the truth. She was thirsty to know the truth. She was discontent of being ostracized from, from her community. That's why they said, like many people have said, that's why she came to the well at like midday. Because she didn't want to meet anybody. You know, like when you don't, you're so ashamed of yourself, you don't want to see anyone. Yeah, she, that's like the Samaritan woman. She didn't want to see anyone. But the important thing is that if you are thirsty, come to the well of the living water and you can quench your thirst. Do not believe the water that the world sells you. The water that the world sells is cheap water. It does not fill you up. I love the psalm that was chanted today. It says, Let the hearts of those who rejoice seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face forevermore. Remember His marvelous works which He has done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. We all have a need for living water. We have a need for living water. St. Augustine, he said, You have made yourself, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless. This is like his most famous, like St. Augustine, like on your wall. You have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. I was thinking like a lock on a door. You might have many keys that you can fit in the lock of the door, but only one key opens the door. Only one key opens the door. It's like our heart has a special place in it for God. That's it. The only thing that can fill that, that place in the heart is 
God, nothing else, living water. It is reserved for... Mountain Dew cannot do anything in this spot. It has to be living water. It has to be living water. I love Psalm 42. It says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. All of us, we have this longing, as the psalmist says, as the deer is so panting for the water, we have this thirst for God. Lastly, in order to be transformed by the living water, we must believe. We must believe in in the living water. Our thirst will be quenched by putting our hope in God and believing in Him. If you read the rest of Psalm 42, you'll see this concept. So I'm going to skip it. He says, compare, like, compare the Samaritan woman here with the story of like John chapter 6 and the people in John chapter 6. The Lord told the people in John chapter 6 that I am the living bread and whoever eats of me will never hunger. And they, he said the same thing to the Samaritan woman. But the difference is the people in John 6 said... We don't believe you. We don't believe you. He said, our father, like, our fathers, they ate the manna and are dead. He said, I know. I have given something better for you. But they did not believe. They did not believe. And an unbelieving person will not recognize the gifts that God is trying to give us. He is trying to give us bread of life. He is trying to give us living water. He is doing this all for free. All for free. But do you want, do you believe in the living water? I love what St. Paul, he says to the, to the Ephesians. He says, you became God's people. How did you become God's people? Because you attend church on Sunday? Is that how you became God's people? No. You became God's people when you heard the true message, the good news that brought you salvation, and you believed in Christ. When you believe in Christ, it says, God put his stamp of ownership on you by giving you the Holy Spirit, which he had promised. When you believe in Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit, this is the living water. This is the living water. Don't say, I am young. Or don't say, like, I, I, I'm weak. Say, I am chosen. I am chosen. Say, I am chosen. Do not say, I am I'm dumb or I don't have talent. Say, I am chosen. Don't say, I committed a lot of sins in the past. Say, I am chosen. Believe in the living water. Believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, I want to share with you the end of the life of the Samaritan woman. She became a great saint. Her name was Saint Fotini, which means the enlightened one. She became the enlightened one. And actually, she became a martyr in the, in the early church. And interestingly enough, I find it so like, ironic, coincidence if you will, that she was martyred by being thrown into a well. Can you imagine? The same place. And I bet when she was approached that well, she looked at the well, and I'm sure she saw, wow, this is the place where I was saved. And she was so happy, I'm sure, to be martyred at the well. She became, the they call her the first evangelist in the scripture. The first evangelist. This person who... Not the right race, not the right gender, not the right... And she became the first evangelist. This is the transformative power of 
living water. I hope all of us, we experience this transformative power of the living water. And glory be to God forever.